Uh, I, I wish I was that cool. Burn, burn. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I love Tony. Tony, uh, when I was first getting to know Tony, I asked about his tasks and stuff like that. And he, if you look down his form, it says LOC. I'm like, what's, what's up with that? What's LOC? And he used to be in some gang stuff and like all that. But he said it used to stand for Loked Out Chicano. <laughs> Crazy Mexican. And uh, uh, I said, uh, so what, what, what do you mean used to? And he goes, now it stands for Love of Christ. And I'm like, that's awesome. And um, he's just awesome. He's just, he's just awesome, man. Hey, and let me jump into this really quick. One of the things really popular over the years, at least in the publishing world, is sometimes an author will write not just one book, but like a series of books. And then somebody will take that series of books and sometimes turn that into a TV series or maybe a series of movies, right? Uh, and, and like um, uh, you'll have a movie based on a book and then you'll have a sequel based on another book. And then they'll go back and they'll do a prequel to that book and things like that. But, but all these books have something in common, a theme that kind of runs all the way through them. And a lot of times they'll have like one main character or two, three main characters that are in all the movies and all, all the books. And over the years, maybe you've seen some of these movies or, or read these series, like C.S. Lewis did that with like the Chronicles of Narnia. Maybe you saw some of those books or, or movies like Star Wars. That's probably the most famous. Uh, that came out of a book series or like the, the, probably the latest ones, the Bourne movies came out of a book series, which is awesome. Um, and then there's the, the famous ones over the last decade, like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and Underworld and, and the Hunger Games. And right now, like Game of Thrones is really a, a popular thing. And they're all based on, on books, all right? Somebody came to me last night and said, how come you didn't mention Twilight? And I'm like, because I'm a man. And uh, <laughs> dumb. All right. So anyway, um, I don't really, I don't, don't write me that email. I do, I will not read that one. All right. And, uh, but all these movies, all these books, they, they, if you watch them, they kind of, they play off the one before and they lead into the, one, the next one. If, if you read the books or go back and read the books and you know, pick up one that you left off, you'll, you'll find out you'll get a better picture of the whole complete story, like a better understanding of what's, what's going on. That's kind of what we've been doing all summer in here. Meaning this is that the first like book or installment of our story, we started way back in May, uh, we called it Joe, and it's a story of a guy named Joseph, but it's how God um, orchestrated and moved his people, the, the Jewish people, the Israelite people, to Egypt in order to save their lives because there was going to be this famine. So he got them to Egypt to take care of them. And then the second book or the sequel to, to Joe was Mo, all right, or uh, the story of how God used and prepared a guy named Moses to rescue and deliver those people out of Egypt and move them on to the sequel of their life, the ongoing story of where he was gonna take them next. And while all summer, you know, the title of our series has been Mojo because we've been focusing on Moses and Joe, really the, the star of the whole summer, the star of the series, the main character has been God when you think about it. You know, he's been in all, all, all the stories, right? And, and where we landed last week, kind of the cliffhanger that makes you want to, like, you know, be at the bookstore before it opens so that you can get the new edition or, you know, go to the midnight showing of, of the, the latest movie, Kind of, kind of where we landed last week was, was this, God is the great I am. We've been kind of moving up to this. God's been saying, I'm about to show you how, how great I am, and then you'll understand who I really am. And all through these series and all through the Bible, you find these hints of, of who and what God is like. And he's been saying and doing stuff like this. We've been looking at this all summer. He says stuff like this, hey, Joseph, I am with you. Doesn't feel like it sometimes when your life really is, is hard, but Joseph, I am with you. And I'm gonna use what people did to you. They meant evil to you. I am gonna use that for something good. I'm gonna save people's lives using the thing that they did to you. And I am gonna keep my promise. I made a promise to my people. I'd take care of them. And I'm gonna keep my promise. I am. And then the sequel, we found the same thing. Hey, Moses, I am going to come down and I'm going to bring my people up and I'm going to rescue them. And Moses, I am going to use someone like you. Even though you're not really qualified you know, to lead anybody, I am going to use you to rescue my people. But make no mistake, I am the one that's going to do it. I'm going to use you, but I 
am the rescuer because I'm God. See, and he's saying to Moses, he's saying to Joseph, and we're gonna see him say to Pharaoh today, but he's saying to everybody in this room, it goes like this, I'm not just the star of the story, I am the story. It's all about me. Everything is all about, about God. And here's why, because I am God and there's no other God beside me. No real one, no true one that can really take care of you. It is really all about me. And we've seen this all summer. I am God. There is no other God that, that, that's real anyway. I'm the only one and I am good and I am loving and I'm gonna keep my promise. And I'm gonna do exactly what I said I was gonna do. I'll do whatever I have to do to, to keep my promise of what I swore to you that I would do. And at the end of the movie, at the end of the series, everybody will know that I alone, I am God. So today we're gonna kind of start like the, the next installment of this trilogy, which we're calling Thrones. It's not just because, you know, one of the main characters this month is in this section is a king named Pharaoh who sits on a throne. That's partially it, but really because like the real game of thrones that's being played out has been being played out for thousands and thousands of years since the beginning of time. On both the physical flesh level, but even on the spiritual Star Wars level. And, and the, the, the battle of the war that we're talking about here, it's not just man against man. I mean, you fight against people all your life. It's, it's something else is going on. It's not man against nature. or It's not man against vampire or man against dragon. Although those are really cool stories. I, I like those. But anyway, no, what we're going to talk about, the, the, the bigger Game of Thrones that's being fought has always been, today in the story, we're going to see it going on. But more importantly, we're going to see that in your life every day, the same thing is going on. The same battle is being waged right now at this moment. And it's called man against God. Man against God, you, you I, we fight our, that battle every day. And the winner of that battle, the winner of the war gets to sit on the throne of your life. Gets to hold all the power, gets to make the rules and be, and get ready for this, and be worshiped. Because whoever runs your life, that's who and what you worship. That's just, that's just true. And it's the oldest story in any book. You know, historical book, fictional book, religious book, whatever. Literally, the demon, like the root cause, the original sin, the, the lead domino that knocks everything else over. You know, the, the common theme and plot in every story, in every conflict between man and anyone or anything else comes down to just a, a few simple questions. Think about every story you've ever read. It comes down to this. Who gets to be the boss? Right? Who gets to be king? Who gets to make up all the rules, right? And what we're really asking or trying to decide is this, who gets to be God in my life? Who gets to run things? Who gets to sit on the throne and say, this is what I am gonna do with myself, for myself, to other people, this is what I am gonna do. Bottom line, who gets to say I am and have it be true? Who gets to claim I am I am and have it be true? Anybody can say it, but who gets to say or be I am and have it be true? See, if we had time, we'd go all the way back to the very first page, page one, chapter one, verse one of the Bible, and it would start like this. In the beginning, God, I am, created the heavens and the earth. And if you keep reading through the Bible, the reason God created the heavens and the earth is not just to point towards himself about this is the kind of God I am. If you read later in the Bible, in the book of Romans, it says that you can look at mountains, you can look at stars, you can look at the ocean, you can look at the birth of a child, and you can, you can figure out a little bit about God. And you know what I'm talking about. It's like, ah, oh, God's like that. So, so it's not just to, to, to demonstrate what he's like, but also it's a step further. If God created the heavens and the earth and God created us in his image, then the next logical step then is this. If he's God, creation should worship him because he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy of glory and honor. The creation, that's like us, we should worship our creator. That's how it ought to play out, Right? But just like chapter two of the whole thing, this is the way it actually played out. Man, the creation, looked back at God, the creator, and said, you're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. You ever babysat like a four-year-old? 
That's pretty much it. It's like, nah, nah, you're not my mom. You know, well, whatever that is, you can't tell me what to do. I don't need you. I don't trust you. As a matter of fact, I think I can be a better you in my life than you could be in my life. So I'll sit on the throne of my life. I'll be my own God. I'll make up my own rules. I'll be my own I am. I'll decide for myself. And in chapter two of the Bible, man tried that and things fell apart quickly. And, and by the way, we're gonna see here, you're gonna hear this phrase a lot, just like God said. Because he always tells us up front. He always comes to us and says, listen, if, I'm just gonna tell you the truth. If you'll allow me to lead your life, if you'll allow me to sit on the throne of your life, I, you can trust me because I am good and I will take care of you. And almost every time we look back at God and say, I don't believe you. And it's been going on, again, since the beginning of time, all right? The story repeated itself in chapter three and then in chapter four of the Bible and the next one and the next one and the next one. And if you keep ahead, you know, we're like in the 55th chapter of the Bible and for decades and centuries, it's the same thing. We're gonna see it in Egypt, but more importantly, we're gonna find out in the next three or four weeks in here is that every day we say the same thing to God. You're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. I'll run my own life. So here we go. Uh, we're going to look at the, the story this month of, of King Pharaoh as he and, and God wrestle over who gets to be God, right? And as we do, I think you're going to see yourself, I, I, I do anyway, in, in this story as it, it gets played out. Now, let me kind of catch you up in case you've been on vacation or you just moved here or this is your first time, whatever. Let me kind of sum up the, the whole summer where we've been, all right? God has made a promise to his people, the Jewish people, I'll be your God and I'll take care of you. And eventually I will lead you to your own your own, your own place, your own land, I promise. And that's why we call it the promised land. It's modern day Israel today. And here's what the takeaway from that is, God always keeps his promises. Whatever he said he'll do, he will do it. He doesn't do it the way I think he ought to do it sometimes. He doesn't do it in the time frame that I think he ought to do it sometimes. But if God said he's gonna do it, God always keeps his promise. The second thing is, is this, is where we pick up the story today, the Jewish people are, are enslaved in Egypt by a very arrogant king named Pharaoh, right? God brought them there to save them, you know, from a famine. Now they're enslaved by this, this really arrogant king named Pharaoh who actually thinks he's God and thinks that everybody in his country should worship him like he were God, right? The third thing is this, and this is the last month in here, God sends a guy named Moses to deliver a message to Pharaoh. And it's really simple. It's time to let him go. I want you to let my people go so they can come and I can take them to the place that I have in mind for them. But, but God tells Moses before Moses even goes to Egypt, hey, you're gonna go tell Moses to, 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 to let the people go, but I just wanna tell you up front, he's gonna say no. He's gonna, he's gonna say no, have a good trip. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. He's, he's not gonna do it. Then God says, but I already have a plan. I know exactly what I'm gonna do. I just need you to go there, all right? And I'm gonna give him like, 10 warnings to soften his heart and change his mind and, and he's not gonna do it, but, 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 but as this thing plays out, everybody at the end of the story will know, all right, that I am God. I always have been God, I'm God today and nobody else will ever be God but me. And when that finally clicks in Pharaoh's head and in his heart, then he'll let the people go and then I'll take him to their promised land. So we're gonna pick up in Exodus chapter seven, all right? Usually we write the, the verses in your program there, but we didn't, I don't know why, I'm sorry. Uh, I got it to the printer later, that's why. Okay, but anyway, but it's gonna be here on the screen and it's also, uh, there are free Bibles in the back. And we really, if you don't own a Bible or you lost your Bible or you want a Bible, there's free Bibles in the back. You can grab one on your way out and take it, take it home with you. But we're gonna be in Exodus chapter seven. It's like 50 pages in the Bible. Moses, all right, we pick up the story. Moses is now 80 years old and God's finally gonna use him, okay? So all you people in here are going, I'm too old for God to use me. Well, you're just wrong, okay? God can use you if you're eight or 80, all right? And, and, and so it's, it's been, you know, he was born and then put in the basket 
And then 40 years later, he murders a guy and runs into the desert. And now 40 years later, he's 80 years old. And here we go, we're going to Egypt. And his brother Aaron, his older brother Aaron is with him. And the reason is, if you remember, Moses argued with God for like several you know, hours going, well, I'm not worthy and I can't talk in public and I just, this isn't my gift. And blah, blah. Finally, God goes, just shut up, Aaron, go, all right? And so Aaron is going with Moses and he's gonna like be the spokesperson and, and Moses is gonna like hold up a stick. That's it, right? But anyway, at least he's going. So they've memorized the plan. They, they met with God. God says, say this. All right, they walk back across the desert. They ring the doorbell. Is Pharaoh home? All right, that's, I made that up. But anyway, um, we're in Exodus chapter seven, verse eight. And yes, I've had a lot of five-hour energies. I've had like 20 hours today. So all right, so <laughs> I really have. Verse eight, all right. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, and he will, perform a miracle. It's so like prove it, all right. Then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it'll become a snake. All right, verse 10. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials and it became a snake. That's, that's cool. All right, verse 11. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians, that's hard to say, also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. Hmm. But Aaron's staff swallowed up the other staffs. Yay, our snake's better than your snake. All right, all right. verse 13. Yet, yet Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them. Here it is, just as the Lord had said. So this is like the pregame warm-up show. All right, he's just kind of like, God's going, okay, here we go. It's gonna be a good show, here we go. But I've always looked at this and read this and I've always thought, why? Why, why bother God? You know, especially when, you know, before Moses and Aaron even walked over here, right? God had already said, he's not gonna change his mind. So why doesn't God just save everybody a lot of trouble and a lot of time and a lot of frogs are gonna die, all right? So why don't we just jump to, you know, to the big thing at the end and do the big stuff you know you're gonna have to do, God? before he changes his mind. Just do it now. And that's a great question. Thank you. I, it really is. And I ask myself that question all the time when I read the Bible. Like, why didn't you just do that two chapters ago? But more importantly, I look at that when I look at my own life and I look at some other people in my life I really care about and kind of look at their story or my story and I realize, you know, if I had just listened to God two chapters ago, if I just listened to God when he first, you know, for the first time, if, if I, and the key word there is I, if I just done what I knew God wanted me to do, if I just done what I knew I should have done, if I, if I would have done the right thing, then I know I could have avoided a lot of pain in my life and a lot of pain in some other people's life who stand near, near me, but I, I wouldn't do it. Isn't that your story? I knew what God wanted to say the first time he said it. The answer is no, I don't, I, I can't even say I didn't believe you. I, I think I believe you, I just don't wanna do it. I don't wanna deal with it right now. So I didn't listen, right? The one thing I cannot do in my story is look back at my story See all the things that got blown up in my life and I cannot say God didn't try. Can you? Look back at my life and go, you know, God didn't even give me a chance. He didn't even, you know, didn't warn me at all. No, I, I, I can't blame God for most of the stuff in my life because God never changes. And just like in this story and just like in my life today, before God, you know, sends a, you know, a punishment or correction or, or discipline, something like that, he always sends truth first. He always sends a warning. He always instructs us about a better way. And then we decide if we're going to obey it or not. And then the other stuff comes later. And that's what he's doing with his king. That's what he still does. Now again, look back at your own life. And some of the things that you've blown up in your life. Can't you remember, and maybe it was a person, maybe it was reading in the Bible, maybe it was just sitting in a room like this. Maybe it was just kind of an aha moment you had. But you, you look back and God said, I just need you to listen to me. I just, I just, I'm just telling you, just do this and you will save yourself and everybody else a lot of trouble. Just obey me right up front the first time I'm, I'm telling you to do that, right? Isn't that true? 
Because I can look back over the biggest regrets and shameful moments in my life. I look back over seasons of my life that I would describe as, ah, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And I look back and go, yeah, God tried to tell me. He tried to tell me, you know, through Robin, or he tried to tell me through my kids, or he tried to tell me through, you know, a, a good friend. He tried to tell me through, you know, a quiet moment. And I just felt like that's what he's trying to do. And I just, I, just, I wouldn't listen. And I think that's what's going on here. That's my story. I think it's a lot of ours. Let's pick up the, the, in verse 14. Here we go. So the big show's starting. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the water. Wait on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. But until now, you've not listened. So Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. By this, you will know that I am the Lord. That's the point of this whole thing. By this and what I'm gonna do, you'll know I'm the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die and the, the river will stink and the Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. Verse 19, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they'll turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. And remember, why is God doing this? Why is he not just jumping to the end? And the answer is this, because he's, he's telling you up front, listen, this is what you need to do. If you do it, this is what will happen. If you don't do it, these are the consequences. He does that with everything in our life, right? But the second thing is this, is that God is, is gonna do some things so that the king and everybody else that's paying attention will, will have some clarity and know that God is God and he's the only God and God is in charge. And if everybody, the king and everybody else, it, it has any hope of the life turning out good, they need to pay attention. They need to watch and, and make some decisions. So verse 20, here we go. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile and all the water has changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died and the river smelled so bad the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. Now, let me, let me tell you why this is important. I don't know if you've ever been to Egypt or you've seen it on TV. I've flown over it a few times, looked out a window. I'm like, that, I don't wanna live there. It's just a desert. There's some really cool pyramids and that's all, all right? It's just a, it's just a desert and, and sand dunes and some camels. That's, that's all that's there. But even from an airplane, if you look down at, at Egypt, like running right through the middle of it, it's like a green belt because the Nile River, one of the, the most famous rivers in the whole world, runs right through the middle of, uh, of Egypt. And, and at this time, thousands of years ago, the, the Nile River was represented by, by the Egyptian god whose name was Hopi, all right? Hopi. And, and, and Hopi was worshiped because... Um, Everything came from the Nile River. So you had to keep Hoppy ha ha happy. That's hard to say. Anyway, but, but meaning this is that um, if you live in a desert and you're thirsty, you've got to go to the Nile River because that's where the water is. If you have any hope for your crops growing, you had to irrigate from the Nile River or else it'll all dry up. If you had any hope of eating, you got your fish out of the Nile River. So your entire agriculture, economic food system, your life depends on the Nile River God supplying what it is to keep you alive. So if you go back and you know, look at some of the carvings and stuff back there in Egypt, they, they used to sacrifice to Hopi so that Hopi would continue to supply life to them. You, there would be ceremonies where they would go and they would throw money in the river to keep Hopi happy, all right? They, they would sacrifice their children. They would kill their children. The, the Jewish babies got thrown in the river Nile because that would be an act of worship and maybe Hopi would be satisfied and take good care of them. And God is about to start the show and he's gonna start to clear things up. And here's the message for everybody paying attention and it goes like this. Hey, I'm in charge. 
I'm in charge of the river. I'm the one who supplies life. It's not Hoppy. As a matter of fact, there is no Hoppy. I'm God. Hoppy's not God. Hoppy's unhappy. All right? So it's just, Pharaoh is not God. I am God. Now pay attention. Verse 22. But the Egyptian magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. So they turned water into blood too. And Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned and went into his palace and did not even take this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. And again, God could have jumped right to his A game and and, clear this whole thing up in the opening minutes of the first quarter. And the only reason he doesn't is because he's given this king a chance. It's not too late. You could change your mind. You can do the right thing. You can make things right. Same thing he does with us. Hey, it's not too late. I mean, you messed some stuff up. You know, I gave you a warning shot. You didn't listen to that. But, but I'm telling you, it's not too late to, to make things right. But the king's not going to do it. You know why? Because he's just like us. And his response is the same as mine. I hear you, God. I'm just not going to do that. I can beat you on this. I, I, I can wait this out. I mean, uh, you know, I don't like the bloody water, stuff like that, but I, I can fix my problem. So I'm, I'm not going to change. And I don't know if this is how God works or not, but sometimes I just picture God in heaven looking down like, really? At least at me, like, really? Okay, hang on, because here we go. Start the roller coaster, right? And boom, off we go. But look, let's see, off we go. Look at verse 25. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. It's a week later now, chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so they may worship me. If you refuse to let let them go, I will, I'm telling you up front, this is what's going to happen, I will plague your whole country with frogs. We'll come back to that. All right, right, the, the Nile will team with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into the houses of your officials, on your people, and even into your ovens and kneading troughs. That's where you make bread. All, the frogs will, will go up on you and your people and all your officials. We'll come back to that. Verse 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and, and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Now, time out. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Lord, but this is weird. All right, I mean, it's like, hmm, didn't see, see that one coming, right? I mean, that's, why frogs? You know, I mean, I mean, if I were to say, get out your program, and I want you to, if you were going to like really show Pharaoh that there's a God and he's not in, really give it to him, give me the top 10 things you would do. Would, would invasion of the frogs come to mind? <laughs> I'll show him, I'll show him that I'm God. I'll, just, I'll cover him with frogs, all right? And that doesn't even make the top 10. It's like 30 on my list, you know? I, I just wouldn't do that. But that's why God's God and we are not, all right? See, in Egypt, you got to go back way, 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 thousands of years ago. In Egypt, the frog was a symbol of fertility, okay? And it was represented by the Egyptian goddess Heket, who had a, a woman's body and, and a frog's face. <laughs> I think I dated her in high school, to be honest with you. But I um, <laughs> hope she's not listening online, all right? Ribbit. Yeah, that's what I want to do. About. I'm not a nice person. Pray, pray, pray for Pastor Jim. All right, anyway, so Hecate, let's get more important, right? Hecate was the, was, was the goddess who the Egyptians believed. She's the one who formed babies before they were born and breathed into them life. She's the one that parents who wanted to have children, they would pray and they'd offer sacrifices to Hecate. Not only that they could have babies, but as the delivery process kind of happened, that their baby would be born safely. But also, and this is what Pharaohs really cared about, is that they believed that after Pharaoh died, and was put in the pyramids and stuff like that, 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 that Hecate would be the one who would carry him to his heavenly throne in the stars to rule the universe on high. In other words, Hecate is in charge of life and death. 
That's why God chose the frog. See, see, God looks at these people and goes, whoa, 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 time out. Life and death, that's me. That's my job and I am not gonna share it with frog girl over there. I'm just not, all right? And what we're gonna see all month long, this is just really, really cool, is that um, with every plague that God sends into Egypt, the real God is unpacking the false ones. Every plague lines up with a false God. And he's gonna dismantle their entire religious system and show them that, hey, it's not real, but I am. He's gonna take apart and destroy and burn to the ground everything that Pharaoh is counting on to keep him in place, to keep himself in power, to keep the people in control and to keep himself on the throne. And God's gonna burn it to the ground. Verse six, so Aaron stretched out his hands over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So again, God does exactly what he says he's gonna do. And once again, the response is the same as mine all the time. I look back at God and go, big deal, I can do that. So what? That, that, that's not that fantastic. I mean, watch this. We have the technology or whatever. I, you know, I can do that without you, which in this case appears to be true. God can do this, but so can we. But the king has a bigger problem. And you have to kind of read between the lines here to figure out what the problem is, but it goes like this. Okay, we can make a problem. We can create frogs. Does anybody know how to get rid of them? Oh, that wasn't in the book, Pharaoh, sorry. We, well, I don't know, all right? So, so now there's frogs everywhere. God sent some frogs and now we came up with some problems of our own, but now everybody's like, we got frogs everywhere. Anybody know what to do next? And the answer is no. Look at verse eight. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, pray to the Lord, pray to the great I am. Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. So it's like, yeah, finally. We have some progress and, you know, maybe, maybe Pharaoh's sincere. I don't know what's going on in his head. Maybe he's like, okay, we get, I got to get rid of these frogs. Or maybe, maybe his wife just said, don't even come home unless you take care of whatever. But, I, I, but maybe it looks like Pharaoh's finally gone, okay, there's a God and I'm not him. And again, I don't know how this went. You know, maybe, maybe he said, Moses, come over here. Just, just come here, all right? Don't tell anybody, but you were right. You were right, you know, you, your God is real and I'm not. And he's bigger and stronger and more powerful than me, but you know, just... I'll make a deal with you. Just make this frog thing go away. Just, just fix my problem and, 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 and take all this, take, just take the frogs away and I promise I'll do the right thing. If you'll just do this for me, I tell you, I'll, I'll do the right thing and I'll let people go. And Moses goes, all right, absolutely. Verse 10, Moses replied, it will be as you say, and here's why, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials and your people. They will remain only in the Nile. Verse 12, after Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs. It means he prayed about this that he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled into heaps and the land reeked of them. So the whole place smells like rotten frogs, all right? And again, God does exactly what he said he was gonna do. All right, all right, deal, let's do that. Problem over, frogs gone. Okay, Pharaoh, your turn, go. God did what he said he was gonna do. You do what you said you were gonna do. Let's see how that goes, verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, ah, they're gone. He hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. And before you roll your eyes and go, that Pharaoh's not very smart. He's just messing with the wrong God. Be careful. How many times have you made a deal with God and then backed out, right? I, I, all the time, right? I, God, if you'll just do this and fix that and change that and make her do this and make him stop doing that, I, I promise I will never or I will always, right? I mean, you did it this week, I did. 
right? It's like, oh God, please make that, make me invisible to that cop in the speed zone that's pointing that thing at me, all right? Please God, just put a bubble around me, all right? And if you'll just get me out of this, I promise I will never, I will never speed again, right? Please God, please God. And then you roll through that school zone and you look in your rearview mirror and the cop's not coming. You're like, ah, and you do what I do. You mash on the gas and off you go, right? I'm the only one. He's like, you're just a bad person, Jim, whatever, right? I mean, God, if you will, and the list is long, if you'll help me get away with this and not get caught doing this, and I know I shouldn't have done that, but I, I, if you'll just get me out of this and take the frogs away, I promise I will never do it again. And the frogs go away, and it's a matter of time to go right back to what we were doing before, right? I mean, think about it. Think about the conversations that you and I have had with God. God, if you'll just make my wife or my kids forgive me just one more time, have her take me back my, one, one more time. God, my, I don't know where my daughter is. She's supposed to be home at nine. It's 11. If, if you'll just get my kid home safely, then from now on, I will do this. Or my friend has cancer. And God, if you'll just do this in his or her life, or my mom's going to have surgery next Monday. And if you'll just get my mom through surgery, then from now on, I promise, I will never. I'll do this. Or I'll change this. And, I'll, I'll, and you do for a while. But if you're anything like me, it's just a matter of moments to back to business as usual, right? Just like Pharaoh, just like me. And I'm not just blatant about it. You know, I can, I, I'm pretty good at rationalizing it. And here's how the conversation goes in my head. I'm driving down the road going, how do I know God really helped me? Maybe the cop wouldn't have seen me anyway, right? Maybe I would have gotten away with it. Maybe I didn't even need God in this situation. And looking back, you know, I, I think that, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. So probably I don't even really have to keep my end of the deal anymore. Because there probably wasn't even a deal. You know, it just would have worked out on its own anyway. So God, thanks but for nothing, but I'm going to keep on running my own life. Does that sound familiar? Because it's my life. God warned you. It happened. You prayed. God delivered or healed or fixed it, whatever. And then you reneged. It's the oldest story in the book. One more example that's even more intrusive in our lives. Look at this. Uh, verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. So just hit the ground with it. And throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. <laughs> uh, uh. All right. So they did this. And when Aaron stretched out his hand and with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came upon men and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. And when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. And the gnats were on men and animals. Now, two things here. Right, I hate gnats. I think they're from Satan. I mean, God did this one, but the rest of them are from Satan. All right, I mean, I mean all these plagues are gonna be really gross. Like bloody water. I don't really want that in my life. Um, and I don't like frogs, really. I really don't. But at least you can see them coming. Right, like, there's a frog. Let's go over here. Right, right, that's true. But, but gnats? They're evil. They sneak up on you, right? Have you ever seen somebody, especially little kids, like walking down the side like da, 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 and they walk into a fog of, of gnats, a horde of satanic gnats, and they're like, they lose their minds. And you're just like, <laughs> look at them. And they start, and they're going, oh, I breathe one. There's one in my eye, mommy, all this kind of stuff. They're eating my face, and they just lose their mind. And all they have to do is go. And the gnats stay over there, but we don't think about that. We're just like, get the gnats off. And then when you finally escape the gnat horde, all right, and you're over there like breathing hard, and somebody comes up to you and goes like, dude, what happened? Is somebody trying to kill you or a dog? What, what happens? Worse, gnats. And they're like, oh, I feel your pain. Gnats are, gnats are really, really bad. But, but as much as I hate gnats, you can actually take the word gnat in the Hebrew, and it can also be translated lice. Ever had lice? Everybody's going, no. Uh, <laughs> shut up, mom. You know, whatever that is, right? Everybody's had lice. Somebody came up to me in the lobby last night and going, is that why you shaved your head? It's like, shut up, you know. I'm, you know, lice or not, it doesn't matter. You have an entire country scratching and itching in all the worst places from the king down to the cows. Everybody's covered in lice and swatting at gnats. And I'm telling you, if either one of those things happen to me, I'm gonna let people go. Go, just get, go and take the lice with you, right? Now, this is not about that though. 
right? Remember, everything that God's doing is kind of pairing up with something bigger. And that's what's going on here. God is attacking and taking apart the Egyptian false god, and his name is Geb. In the Egyptian, you know, religion, the god, Geb is the god of the earth. God made the earth, or Geb made, made the earth. If you see that, that bird on his head, he actually hatched the earth, all right? And he's responsible for all that the earth has to offer. And Pharaoh believes that one day, Pharaoh will inherit the earth. It'll be mine. This is my, my planet. And God, the real one, is going to take Geb. He's going to take the dust of the earth. The thing that Pharaoh goes, that's mine. I own it. I rule it. I'm the boss of it. And he's going to use the very thing that Pharaoh is boasting about. He's going to turn it on him and use it as a curse against him. Now watch what happens. Look at verse 19. It's important. The magicians, and pay attention because we're talking about Pharaoh, but we're kind of not. The magicians said to Pharaoh, because they couldn't do this, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen just as the Lord had said. Now, now think about this. Pharaoh's magicians, his closest advisors, the smartest people in the whole country, the people that are closest to him that he looks to for, to, to trust in, in his life. And again, I don't know exactly how it happened, but maybe they sat him down on the couch and said, oh, this is an intervention, dude. Listen, big guy, things have to change. They, they, things have to change. And this whole thing that's going on, it's, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than you. See, Listen, Pharaoh, I know what we kind of built this whole thing on, but there's a God, and apparently you're not him. And we're not him, and we can't compete with him, the real God. And I think, I'm afraid, if we keep on trying, the real God is going to do something worse. So please, Pharaoh, this is your call, all right? But, but please pay attention and listen to Moses and do whatever it is that this real God is trying to tell you. But even then... When everybody in his life and everybody is speaking truth into his life, when everybody else can see the problem and what he needs to do, Pharaoh goes, nope, I'm not going to do it. Now you see, we're not really talking about Pharaoh. We're talking about us, right? Because that's what I do. You do that. Pharaoh does that. You know, somebody comes up in your life, your family, your best friends, you know, your relatives, your kids, whatever that is. And they say, dad, mom, you know, son, whatever that is, you, you've got to understand that this is just has to happen. This is obvious to everybody. You need to do this or not do this or change this. And they told you the truth. And your response is the same as mine. You look back and you went, don't tell me what to do. Right? You're not the boss of me. I, 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 my heart got hotter, harder and I just got madder. Right? I, don't, don't judge me. Don't, don't just tell me. I got to do what's right for me. And, and he, just like Pharaoh, it's the same thing's going to happen in our life. And we look back at truth and do the same thing. Things are not only going to continue to be bad, for you and everybody that's you know, made the mistake of hitching their wagon to you, but things are gonna get worse for you and Pharaoh until we're willing to go, okay, I need to pay attention, do some changes in my life. And it feels like, especially when you're in that intervention and everybody has their finger in your chest going, you've got to change, you've got to pay attention. If you're like me, I try to dodge that bullet and go, don't blame me, God did this. God screwed things up, this is God's fault. But the truth is, be honest with yourself, God's been trying to tell you the truth for a long time, right? God's been trying to say, there's a, there's a better way. There, there's a way out of this. There's, there's deliverance. There's healing. I, I, can, I, can, I can get you in a safe place. Here's all you have to do to have a, have a better life. Just do this. Just take what I'm offering you. And the only reason it hasn't happened in Pharaoh's life, and the only reason it hasn't and things haven't changed in, in your life, is not because God can't help you or God won't help you. And it's not because God isn't good. He's, no, you know, it's not it. And it's not because God isn't God. You know what the problem here is? Pharaoh thinks he is. And Pharaoh and... You and I, we are really bad gods. 
And we are really fooling ourselves if we think we can run our corner of the universe and have any hope of it working out in a better way. Isn't that true? So I'm going to stop there. We have seven more plagues that we'll unpack over the next, you know, three weeks in here. But we'll, we'll pick up with plague number four next week. All right. But, uh, but where does this leave you right now just so far? What, what is this? What's God doing with this in your life? And, and I think the answer is you know. I don't know, but, but I think you, you know. And I think it leaves you in the exact same place that every person in history, from chapter two of the Bible, you know, to Pharaoh, to Moses, to, to you and me sitting in this room right now, it leaves us sitting in front of God, wrestling, asking questions. This is what God says. This is what God says he is. This is what God says is true and better and right. This is what God's telling me to do in this part of my life. This is what God says will happen if I obey him. And this is what God will ha- say, says will happen if I don't. And the bottom line, you're sitting in here right now going, who's gonna be God? Who's gonna run my life? Who's in charge? Who sits on the throne, right? And if the answer of, to the question, who's, who runs my life? Who sits on the throne of my life? If the answer to that question is anything other than God, the real one, the God who says my name is I am, I, I never change, the God who says you can find me in the face of Jesus Christ, if the answer to the question of who runs my life is anything other than that God, then the most loving the most loving thing that the real God could ever do if he really loves you is take whatever it is that's running your life other than him and in the words of Lincoln Park, smash it, break it down, burn it to the ground. If he really loves you, he would take it away from you. Right? Because if God should do whatever. He should bloody up the water of your life. He should expose and invade you know, the, the grossest parts of your life, the most embarrassing parts of your life. He should bother you and irritate you until he almost drives you crazy because the end result is eventually, hopefully, you'll get to a place where you go, oh, I should only let God run my life because only God can lead my life. And you can, you can argue with him all you want. You can yell at God, don't tell me what to do and I don't like your plan, so leave me alone. But folks, do you really want God to leave you alone? Really? Because if you said, God, butt out of my life and don't tell me what to do and stop coming after me, what if he said, okay? Do you have any hope that, that your life would work out better? Now, I'll give you an example of that. So a month ago, I was in, in Africa. I was in southern Sudan uh, dedicating the clinic that you guys paid for. And, and uh, you know, while I was there, I, I you know, prayed with this little kid, you know, uh, that, that, that died. His name is Chol. And uh, I'm going back in February, taking a medical team back with me this February. I'll tell you more about that later. But, but, but suppose we go over to that clinic and as I'm there, we're in the clinic, you know, helping the doctors and running around and all that kind of stuff. Suppose that a mom carries in her little boy again, all right? And he has malaria, a big fever and stuff like that. And he lays him down there on the, on, on the, on the cot, all right? Now, Kefa, our doctor that, that works in our clinic over there, he has two things in his hands. In one hand, he has like aspirin or pain pills. And in the other hand, he has an IV full of anti-malaria viral medicine, okay? If he gives the little kid an aspirin, if he gives the little kid a, a, a pain pill, the little kid's gonna feel better. He's not even gonna feel sick. He probably wanna get up, you know, and, 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 and walk home, all right? But, but that'll make him feel better. But the antiviral malaria medicine will actually cure the disease. The problem is to get that into the little boy involves a needle, Poke it in his little arm, all right? That's the only way that that can get in there, okay? And, it, and all you parents know exactly what I'm talking about. This doesn't go well with little kids. When you take it for vaccinations and stuff like that, and the little kids, because what my little kids did when I took them, you know, for school vaccinations and things like that, they look back at me and they're like, what are you doing? I, I thought you loved me and I thought you were gonna take care of me and I can't put how you're gonna love me and allow that person to stick a needle in me, how I can make love and pain go together. But you, everybody knows the answer to this. What's the most loving thing that mom could ever do or that doctor? Give him a pain pill or cure the disease? 
This is a no-brainer, right? And it's exactly the same, same way with God. We look back at God and go, I can't put loving God and pain together in my life. But the truth is for, for Kepha, the doctor, or, or that mom to do anything less than give that boy the thing that will cure his disease, anything less than that is mean and hateful and fatal, right? It's the same thing with God. If God really is God and he's good and he promises to love and take care of you, even though sometimes it hurts, it would be really hateful for him to stand back and do nothing while you and I kept trying to put other stuff on, the plate, on his place on the throne of our life. If he did nothing, he'd be a hateful God. So you can yell at him and you can scream at him and you can tell him he's not a very good God and he's not doing his job well and you can actually look at him and go, leave me alone. But do you really want him to? Do you want God to stop coming after you? Do you want God to stop bothering you? Because think about it. If he did, do you have any shred of hope that life could get any, any better? So what is that for you? And again, I, I, I think everybody in this room knows, you know God's talking about this one part of my life. And sometimes when, when I say that, I'll give you an example. I, I'm thinking about this message this past week. I'm driving up Highway 7 up, up towards the interstate and I'm thinking about this whole thing and I'm like, God, yeah, I just want you to drag out anything in my life that you want to deal with. And then I had a panic attack. Oh no, what if he does? Because there's some crap in my life I just don't want to deal with. You know, it's like, and it's none of your business. But I, I, just, I just, I don't want to. And I know some of us in this room right now are going, I know exactly what God wants to deal with in my life and I'm just not ready to go there today. Okay. But whatever it is that God's telling you to do, the only reason he's telling you to do it even if it's painful, it's because he's in, he knows it's the only thing that will help. And he knows it's the only thing that will, will, will heal. And the only reason he would do it is because he, he loves you. So what is that for you? And then the last, the last question would be this. Um, why won't we pay attention to the opening warm-up show? Why won't we pay attention the first time and God gives us a warning shot across the bow and says, hey, just pay attention before everything gets crazy? And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a friend that said something to you this week. Maybe it's sitting in this room right now and God's trying to get our attention so we don't keep on making the same mistakes over and over and over and end up with the same horrible, painful, you know, regretful outcomes. Why, why do I keep choosing pain pills over a cure? Aspirin over healing. Why, why do we have to keep letting plagues take away the most important things of our life before we humble ourselves and ask God to help us? I don't know what's going on in your life, but here's how I'm going to close this day. I, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand up in just a second. I'm going to pray, and then we're, we're going to sing one song, and then we're going to uh, go buy good food. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. And, uh, but here's what it is. Everybody stand up. I, 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 some of you, we always sing, but some of you don't need to sing. Some of you need to have a conversation with God. And nobody can have a conversation with God instead of you. You have to have your own. But maybe my words maybe will help you go, That's what I want to say. All right? So whatever that is, Talk to God about it. Even if it's your first time ever being in church in your whole life, it may go, dear God, if you are there, all right? And I'm not sure, I'm not saying you are, but if you are, and the rest of the prayer goes like that. But he'll answer, he'll, he'll let you know. He promises, and he's good. Let's pray. God, um, you know, the scariest prayers uh, are the ones that get way down deep in our heart and say, okay, God, uh, let's talk about that. And that's scary because there's a lot of fallout from that. And a lot of other people in our life won't understand that. But 
God, you don't throw stones at us about that. You say, I wanna, I wanna work on that. I wanna help that. I wanna heal that. I wanna deal with that. Because until whatever it is, and we all have our thing in our head right now, until that is dealt with and dismantled and burned to the ground, God, things in our life will not get better. So God, maybe for the first time in a long time, some of us are having a conversation goes like this. God, would you help me? Will you show me? And will you give me the courage and the strength to pay attention, get up out of this room and go do what I know I need to do. I can't do it on my own. I will not do it on my own. But with your help, with you as the king and the ruler and sitting on the throne of my life, I'm, I'm willing to do this. If you promise, you'll go with me. And you'll use someone like me, even though I can tell you how unqualified I am, if you use someone like me to do something good, if you promise to take care of me, then I'll go. I trust you. Help me trust you more. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.